Today's episode is all about Florida Gators and the NFL Draft. Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network will be here with me for the whole show to talk about his latest seven-round rock draft and where Florida Gators went in it. Then we'll hear about his opinion on some other Florida Gators prospects or non-prospects at that point. Only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. All right, so now I'm joined by Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network. Last week, we broke down Ali Hodgkinson's uh, mock draft with Pro Football Network, and apparently just now Wednesdays, we're doing Pro Football Network mock drafts. Uh, how you doing, Ian? Doing good, man. I mean, hey, what better way to spend your Wednesday, right? Just just breaking down mock drafts. That's the way to do it, honestly. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm a Giants fan. Like, we're screwed already, so I might as well <laughs> just get into the mock drafts, and we're going to yeah. get off with uh, th- something I hate as a Giants fan. Uh, the first Gator you have going in your mock draft was Kyrie Elam, which is obviously always going to be the first Gator off the board, but Kyrie Elam to the Philadelphia Eagles at the fifth overall pick, which I – I'm going to be so miserable if he comes there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough with this corner class because I really don't know who the number one corner is. I've been I've been flip-flopping on that every single day. You know, like Derek Stingley, you can make a case for him, but he's, you know, potentially out for the year, and that injury might have an effect on him testing, you know, stuff like that. So maybe that impacts his process. Andrew Booth is a guy that a lot of people like. I like his upside. And I really like how active he is in all phases, but you know, I'm I'm not completely sold on him as the top corner yet. Kair was my guy in the summer. You know, I really liked him. I thought he popped it a lot on tape. You know, he's 6'2, 193, I think. So, you know, a little long slender, but I think he's filled out pretty well for that slender frame. I think he's very aggressive in run defense. I think he has good ball skills. You know, I thought that was an underrated part of his game because people look at, you know, the flashy interceptions that Stingley and Booth make, you know, contorting and making those acrobatic plays, but you know, Elam can definitely hone in on the ball and make plays on it. And, you know, when he's been healthy this year, he's definitely done that for sure. I don't think he's quite as explosive as Booth and Stingley, but I think he's explosive enough for sure. He definitely passes that threshold for me. And then his fluidity, his ability to flip his hips and just run with guys is really impressive for his size. So I like him a lot. Pretty good press, too. I think he's a really good player. I'm not sure if he's my top guy yet, just because I'm I'm indecisive when it comes to that, man. I'm always flip-flopping, always trying to reevaluate my rankings. But I, I really like him. He's a good player. And I think, you know, especially in that Eagles scheme where they brought some zone concepts from the Colts defense, I think he has the length and enough closing burst to really contribute there. And he can also play man too. So versatile, high upside, you know, for me, he checks all the boxes. So if I'm if there's uncertainty with the other guys, he might be the safest option. Yeah, and I'm going to be so upset if he goes there. He's been so good, like you mentioned. When he's healthy this year, he's just been yeah. – lights out he's one of those corners where like you don't hear his name a ton and that's a very good sign that you don't hear his name like he's he's just one of those guys where he's i'd say he's more reliable than most in the draft class and that's one of the reasons i love him because he's just been so consistent like 
we never really have a game where it's like, oh, Kair got toasted today. Like that, that just doesn't happen often. So love that. Love that he's going at five. I know Ali had him going, I believe, to the Falcons at 37 last week, which uh, again, Oliver's draft class included like free agency. And that's one of the reasons why he fell so much. And it's just like you mentioned, there's so many guys at the top of this corner class where it's like, it's a pick your poison kind of thing. Like you can go for higher ceiling is probably Stingley. And then you have guys like Kyrie who's been more reliable when he's healthy and yeah. he's, he's got all the tools and it, it's just one of those things where like, he's so good. Yeah. In this tier, you know, it's kind of split in hairs, right? Like I, I will say that Booth and Stingley have higher upside, I think, but I, I still think Elam has high upside. Like, don't get me wrong. He's not a low ceiling guy. You know, he's a high ceiling guy too. You're splitting hairs at this point, but I think all three of those guys are first round caliber caliber players and they're close enough on my board where i think you can do some switching up and you can pick any three of them as the first corner off the board yeah and then moving on to the next one we have the 74th overall pick third round we got seattle seahawks taking zachary carter who this is now in the past two weeks three gators that have gone to the seahawks because last week ali had ventro miller and Brenton cox jr going there and now you've got zachary carter how you feel about zach I like him. You know, I like guys who have versatility on the line, and he definitely checks that box. I think he's around 6'4", 285, somewhere around there. So he has that size where he can play at three-tech. He can play on the edge. You know, he can shade outside. And I think he's got a good first step. Maybe not elite explosiveness, but I think he'll check the box athletically. Good length, good power, you know. And he's shown that he can apply that with extensions, too. So, you know, I like that part of his game. You know, there are some consistency elements. Sometimes he doesn't read run plays as quickly as I like him to. Uh, but I, I really like the traits that are there, and especially for teams like the Seahawks who employ hybrid fronts. You know, you, you, you're looking at him as a guy who can potentially, you know, play in a few different spots. And that versatility on the line and that ability to make an impact from multiple spots, I look for that. I like that. So I think he's a good day two guy for me right now. I was kind of intrigued by his upside uh, earlier in the offseason. And to me, he's he's delivered on it quite a bit this year. Maybe not super consistent, not quite as consistent as Elam as a defensive prospect. But showing that upside enough where I'm saying, all right, he's kind of moving up the board for me, especially in this interior line class. You look at, you know, after um, Leal, uh, Perry and Winfrey for Oklahoma and uh, Jordan Davis, who's been a big riser. There aren't a lot of uh, great players. And I think Carter, me personally, I think he projects better on the interior at the next level at that three tech role, but he can shade outside. So if you're looking at him in that role, you know, I think that drives his stock up even more because the options are kind of slim there. Yeah, we saw him play more interior last year than we've seen this year. But it's like this yeah. year, our interior line is just, they've been playing very well with Antonio Valentino and Daquan Newkirk and Javon Dexter's been having an insane yeah. year. So it's like Zachary Carter, there's no need for him to move inside this year, but he's still been playing pretty well on the edge. So I like the fit with the Seahawks. I like, he's always going to be that guy where every, the whole draft cycle, when we talk about Zach Carter, you're going to hear, he can play interior. He can play. He can play outside. He's going to be just a versatile piece there, yeah. and that's one of the things that's so great about him because he gets to separate himself a little bit there. And then the last player we have also going to the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams, Brenton Cox Jr. going in the fourth round, 141st overall, again to the Rams. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy. I, I don't know. I'm not quite a sign Cox, you know. Uh, I and I think. Another factor that plays in, we were just talking about the the class with the interior defensive line. I think the edge class is kind of the opposite deal. You have, uh, there's at least two dozen guys, I think, that could be drafted. You know, it's it's a stacked class and guys are rising every week. You know, you're, you're rediscovering guys. 
I'm just I'm thinking of all the risers in my head, and it's it's a really long list. I mean, you got Jermaine Johnson, David Ajabo, Trey Williams. I mean, the list goes on and on. Arnold Abikite from Penn State. So you know, Bretton Cox was a guy who kind of started in the top ten range, but he's kind of fallen down the board for me. And that's not to say that he's a bad prospect, but I just you know I, I look at his game. I think he's listed at six four, two fifty three. I think he might measure in a little smaller than that personally. Uh, I, I don't love the explosiveness. I think he's got a good first step again, but maybe not elite. He's shown flashes of power and, and hand movements. But again, I don't think he's elite consistently there. You know, And I also think his attack angles in the pocket too. Uh, there are times where he kind of hesitates a little bit. You know, It doesn't always commit fully. And it's like, just just go in, man. Just go red hot. And he, he doesn't always do that. You know, So I, I, it's kind of a, a little bit of a red flag to me. When a guy isn't playing at full pace on the edge and, and he doesn't always play at full pace. And that's, I don't think it's a motor thing. I just think it's an indecision thing, a confidence thing. And to me, like, I, I think he's a good prospect. I think, especially with the Rams, you know, working in space on the edge, kind of standing up, I think that would be a good fit for him. But, you know, you look at the other guys that are overtaking him right now, and I think it's going to drive him down the board. You know, for me, he's a day three guy right now. I don't dispute that he could have a, a strong end of the, to the season and kind of finish in that day two range. Maybe a team really likes him and takes him earlier, but he's really matched up against a lot of talent in this class. Like this is a stacked class. I can't, I can't reiterate that enough. And, and that's going to be working against him a little bit, but you know, I, I like him in the sense that I do think he has enough of that size athleticism combo. And then he's flashed power too, his ability to use that length to generate power. But, you know, it, just not overwhelming to me, not quite standing out as much as the other guys. So he's falling down the board. But if he enters the right fit, I think he could be a good player at the next level. And that about does it for the mock draft with Gators involved. But we're going to be right back with Ian's opinions of other Florida Gators. And I'm looking forward to this one. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And I know you will too. PrizePix offers every sport you can think of. I'm talking NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. PrizePix offers more college football props than anywhere else in the world and offers all the all-star players of the Power Five, like Jacob Copeland, Anthony Richardson, and even smaller school players like Bryant Kobach, Bryce Mitchell, for over at Toledo, and that matters to me. You know, I got the helmet, long sleeve shirt. You can't see the tattoo. Whatever. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on Anthony Richardson rushing yards with the under on Colin Castleton rebounds in the same entry. If you'd like, don't hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, and now it's time to talk about some other Florida Gators draft prospects that uh, didn't make it in the mock draft, which is obviously fine. There's a, a ton of guys that are going to get drafted this year. It's one of the biggest classes we're ever really going to see. Uh, and then I'm going to start off with Ventro Miller. He's a linebacker for the Florida Gators, currently injured, but he's usually the fourth Gator that we see in mock drafts here. Didn't make it this time. Again, I mentioned earlier, last week he made it to the Seahawks late in the draft still. But where are you at on Ventro Miller? Yeah, so for me, it, you know, it kind of sucks, man. I, I think it, I only had like 257 picks. I wish I could have like 400 of them, right? <laughs> 500. I wish. I really do. Because there's a ton of guys that come into consideration. It's just, you know, you got to, at the end of the day, you got to make those decisions. And sometimes good players go undrafted all the time. It happens. And guys with upside. Ventral Miller is a guy to me who could go maybe undrafted. And because I think 
you know, a season-ending injury. Obviously, coming off that, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Redshirt senior. And I wasn't overwhelmed with him coming out of the summer. He was kind of the guy in that day three range for me. Like, some guys had him a little bit higher on their board coming into the year. To me, you know, it definitely flashes that athleticism. But I didn't see him playing to that athletic maximum at a consistent enough level. And then the instincts, too, especially on the second level, you kind of want those to be, you know, rock solid. And I didn't always see that with him, you know, against wrong defense, something sometimes taking the wrong fills. So for me, yeah, I think he was a guy that especially needed to have a strong final season to kind of capitalize and boost his stock. And unfortunately, the the, the poorly timed injury just kind of, you know, erodes at that, you know, and kind of prevents him from having that opportunity. Uh, it's just the way it is, you know. If there was an extra season of eligibility, I'd say come back. But he's already a redshirt senior, so you kind of gotta, I think, take that leap and see where it takes you. So we'll see. But you know, if he can get healthy before the uh, testing and test, maybe that'll help him out. I think he could test better than expected. Um, but I do think coming off a season where you didn't really get a chance to end on a high note, you know, for prospects, I always say sell high. You know, that's that's the big thing for me. You want to sell your stock at a high note. And he, like Kadarius Tony, we saw he did that last year and he went in round one. Eventually, Miller didn't get his chance to do that. And as much as I think he has some intriguing upside in the right, you know, at his maximum projection, uh, it, it's going to hurt his draft stock for sure. So that's kind of how he fell out the fell through the cracks. Yeah, and then we have a player who's been rising. I know right before we recorded this, you tweeted about him and just his season so far. I was very rough on him at the start, and then he cleaned up leading into the season. I was. He's best safety duo in the nation, but Trey Dean, the third, who uh, he's been climbing recently. People are recognizing his play. How are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about him? Yeah. So for, for this podcast, I kind of just thought I really want to dive in on Florida guys this today. I, you know, I didn't get a chance to yesterday with the article. Like I, I could watch a little bit, but I have articles I got to do. So, you know, that kind of takes precedence. But today I was like, all right, it's Florida day. Let's see what, let's see what we got. And I was watching the last couple games and Trey Dean, man, I mean, I was excited about him because he was a guy I took note of. I think it was a couple of years ago in like a redshirt sophomore's piece or whatever, but you know, where he was a guy who, no, it wasn't the redshirt sophomore. It was just a, a standalone piece about Dean, but uh, a guy who had some high recruiting billing coming out and had some upside for sure. And I wanted him to reach that. I kind of forgot about him because, you know, Kyrie Elam kind of took all the buzz, but uh, he's, you know, I, I like what I've seen for sure. And you said he has been a little rough in some areas, particularly run defense. You know, look, especially against LSU, uh, he was taking some really bad angles coming up into the box, and he was getting he was getting swallowed up really easily by blockers. So I'd like him to take better angles there and show better instincts. But in coverage, man, I think he's a lot better in coverage. I think he's versatile for six three over two hundred pounds. I mean, you love to see that. I think he's got that explosive burst to kind of close in on passes, and he can kind of. You know, he's shown he can read and react too, which is really nice. You, you need to see that combination of mental and physical quickness and then combined with that size and that ability to make plays on the ball. I think he has one interception and six pass deflections already. So he's been productive in that phase. You know, it's just against the run, he's been really, really iffy. I agree there. And even in coverage, he's not perfect, but he at least shows that he has that playmaking gene. I think he's trending up. I think he could be a very interesting player. Right now, I don't think he's quite out of that day three range yet, but you know, I think he'll test well. I think he's going to test really well, and that'll help him out a lot. And, and teams love versatility on the back end. He definitely has it with his combination of size and athleticism. So as long as he keeps trending up, even if he's not perfect, especially in run defense, a team that prioritizes coverage, I think, could really take a chance on him. So I'm going to experiment with some fits in my next moxie if I can get him in there because I feel like he's a very intriguing player. 
And he's starting to realize his upside, not quite where he needs to be yet, especially against run defense. If you're an NFL defender, you got to be ready for anything, right? You know, if it's run defense, don't just kind of get swallowed up. Don't don't get funneled into a, a pool of offensive linemen and, and let the running back go by. You got to be ready for whatever comes your way. And with that size, especially, he's unique there and that he has the potential to take on some guys that smaller safeties wouldn't be able to. But you got to convert on that. And he hasn't done that yet in run defense, but in coverage, there's enough upside there for me to say, all right, you know, I, I kind of like this guy. I want to see what he does next. Yeah. And like you mentioned, his run defense, like if you want to see him miss tackles, watch the Bama game, watch yeah. uh, Kentucky, Wando Robinson's 41 yard screen. He missed a tackle on it. You could watch literally any play from LSU game. Like it was, it was just a terrible game all around. And he was a big guy that was missing tackles. And you mentioned size, athleticism, coverage ability. I think he's going to get drafted on that alone. But I'm also the kind where I'm like, Felipe Franks was going to get drafted. Big arm mobile. And that didn't happen. So <laughs> I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But uh, looking at another versatile guy, we've got Jeremiah Moon, who is more of an edge rusher going into the year. He's moved more to inside linebacker this year. Still plays in the D-line. Where are you at on him? Because I know there are people who've, said like hey he's just got to put it together but he's toolsy yeah i, I don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of up and down on him because he is toolsy for sure it's just it's interesting because i thought he should have come out last year you know i was really surprised that he went back because he's been around since 2016 he's already going to be a much older rookie and i think that alone kind of dilutes your stock you know it's not a deal breaker but if you haven't proven that you're you know a tier above you know most of your competitors on the draft circuit you know, if you're 24, 25, I don't know what his age is right off the bat. I just know if he's been around since 2016, he's a little up there, you know, and that's going to dilute his stock a little bit. I do, you know, I, I do like some of the work I've seen at inside linebacker. Again, I don't love it. You know, definitely not a polished player, which at this point is kind of a red flag, right? But at least has the athleticism to play in different spots and the size, which is good enough. You know, someone's going to take a gamble on that. But if I can, I'm just, just candidly, I don't think he'll be drafted. You know, I think and maybe if he goes to the senior bowl, uh, he can create a good impression. But, you know, at this point, if he's older and he still hasn't quite reached his peak, you got to think maybe his development stagnated. Maybe he's just a guy who can do a little bit of, of two different things, but isn't elite in any one area. You know, that, that's kind of how I view it, you know, especially in a 3-4 scheme where the OLPs play more in space. You know, if he could fulfill that role maybe he can kind of go off ball and closer to the line you know that's something that could be a good fit for him but I think at this point you know if he tests well athletically you maybe take him as a special teamer who has some dual threat utility on defense uh but I I I think he's probably a seventh sixth or seventh at best you know probably undrafted but you know could I think he'll definitely get a camp spot he'll definitely get a chance in camp and from there we'll see where it goes with the right fit could definitely do a little bit, you know, maybe stick around as a reserve uh, who could make some noise in uh, in those rotational moments. You know, I don't think he'll ever, ever be a starter, uh, but could, because that role ambiguity does dilute his stock a little bit. But, you know, a guy who could stick around and kind of just linger in that 50 to 53 range on the roster. And then just two more people to talk about. We've got Jacob Copeland and Justin Shorter, both receivers, which is why we'll just group them together. But uh, both guys who haven't been as productive as we liked, as we would have liked because our passing attack is nothing compared to what it was last year. But where do you fall on them? Yeah, I, I like him, honestly. And Jacob Copeland was a guy I was checking out today. And, you know, I, I like recruiting backgrounds. It's not something that I, I run with. You know, you want to make sure that they delivered on those athletic traits, you know. But looking back at Copeland, I think he had a 4 4 4 40. 
and then a 37 inch vertical and then uh, Justin shorter too. He had like a four, five, two and a 35 inch vertical. It was around 35. I think it was just under, but you know, you like to think they've developed that athleticism since then, you know, kind of developed those traits and, you know, shorter is like six, he's listed at six, five, two twenty eight. I think, I, I think it'll be a little smaller. I think they take some liberties with that size, but he's a big guy. And then, and then Jacob Copeland too, is six foot and over 200 at this point. And you saw against LSU, you know, there were some plays where he kind of he kind of showed a little bit of everything in that game. You know, he showed his ability to win deep with that double move, you know, the speed and explosiveness to get past the defenders. He showed on that on that uh, jet sweep, you know, uh, the contact balance to stay on his feet. He bounced off a 290 pound lineman for crying out loud. So he's got that contact balance, that frame density, and he's pretty elusive and explosive. So I I really like him. He's on a good pace, especially with a passing attack that's been inconsistent at quarterback. You know, seeing that production, even in these kind of uncertain circumstances, is good to see from him. And then Justin Shorter, uh, kind of a different style guy, not quite as versatile, but I do like what I've seen from him, too, uh, especially on that touchdown. There's something that stood out to me is that, you know, he had fast footwork and that quick lateral cut. He's a really good athlete for his size. And I think that alone is going to get him some buzz as long as he finishes the year strong, as long as he produces a little bit. I don't think he's anything more than a day three guy, but. He's a guy who could get like Donovan Peoples Jones got drafted on his traits alone. And then now he's starting to, you know, kind of contribute in that rotational role. So I think Justin Shorter could be that guy. I think Copeland has the potential to go even higher because he is a little more versatile. He's been a more complete playmaker at this point. But I like both guys. You know, you're always going to see me in the day three range bank on, on physical upside. And both of these guys have it. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. We'll see where they go. But, you know, looking at those traits, you kind of have to keep watching them for sure. And. I don't know about you guys, but football season's here, and now I am constantly snacking. I'm talking Monday night football, Sunday night football, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday, really, Thursday night football, Wednesday night matching, all that fun stuff. I'm snacking. So now I've started eating Built Bar because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market if you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me. Built Bar is your answer because that is no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Built Bar if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Anybody else make money this past weekend? Because I know I didn't at all. I mean, I kind of did, but then I lost it, so it doesn't matter. Like, I, I didn't profit, so, you know, it is, it is what it is. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, uh, I bet on Florida to cover and hit the over. They hit the over, but Florida didn't cover, so that was really fun. That sucked, by the way. I'm going to get slapped because of it because I suck at betting, but bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine it is the best way to place your bets and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space O N. You know, before before we go, I got to, I got to, there's two guys in my mind that Damian Pierce, the running back, too, is an interesting guy. I think he's like 5'10, 215. And he's had a productive year, too. Uh, I don't think he's elite explosively, but he's shown he can contribute as a runner and in in passing phase. You know, we saw that touchdown catch where he had to rise up for that. It wasn't it didn't just fall into his hands. You know, he had to, you know, kind of track the ball in the air. 
and use his hands and attack it. And he did that. So, you know, having those guys who can contribute on all three downs, you know, Damian Pierce looks like that guy. So he could also be drafted uh, day three, probably again, you know, with running backs, usually it's day three, right? Only, only the best ones go on day two and day one, but yeah, he does. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off. He, uh, no, one thing that I love about him is like, he's a, pretty good pass blocker for a running back. It's like, I feel like that's such an underrated thing. I, yeah. I don't like, I also like cover the draft and I, I don't go to like, I'm not like, Oh wow, you could pass block your first round pick. But like when you're looking at like UDFAs and late day three guys, it's like, that's a thing I'm going to consider. Like if I have yeah. two similar backs and one can pass block, then that guy's going to go higher. And I think that's one thing where I've been clamoring for our running backs to get involved in the passing game. They've just been, completely ignored for much of the beginning of the season. Now they're getting involved. Damian Pierce specifically back-to-back weeks with receiving touchdowns. And I mean, I, I like him. I've been saying like, he's going to play on Sundays. He's just one of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And the running back running backs always kind of get like, there's guys who go later than they should, you know, and I think that might ultimately be his where he goes later than he should, but all you need is an opportunity because it's one of the most replaceable positions in, in the NFL. And that's just kind of the, the nature of the position. Like if you have a good offensive line and you're a decent running back with decent vision, you know, and traits, you can make something out of that. So, you know, I definitely think you can do that. And pass blocking, like you said, I mean, you got to make sure that, you know, on that third down play, if you're passing, the running back can not only catch the ball, but keep your quarterback from getting drilled and having his face in the dirt, right? Steve, because you've invested in that guy. You want him to stay safe having a running back who can pick up those blitzes and actually handle his man is a very important thing for coaches who are looking at the whole picture. So if he can do that and stay on the field for all three downs and, you know, provide that security for the team and the quarterback, that is very important. And, and speaking of quarterbacks, I got to throw in a note for Emory Jones, because I know there's been some discourse on him and we were talking about it. I, I like the upside for sure, but I just, I don't see him as a draftable guy right now. And, and the, the answer is simple, just mentally a little too inconsistent. A lot of the risks that he take, are bad risks, you know, and it's inconsistent because sometimes he won't test downfield. And when he does, man, it's just, it's bad. All of his interceptions to this point, sometimes interception production is kind of volatile for quarterbacks. Like you have guys who, you know, sometimes receivers are going to drop passes and it falls right into the defensive backs hands. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's just bad luck, but with Jones, most of them have been, he's just not seeing guys, you know, he's just not seeing defenders and throwing right to them or testing windows that he really shouldn't you know, off platform, can't quite drive it in that window. Uh, so the decision-making is very, very, very suspect with him. And, and at this point, I think that's going to prevent him from rising up the board at all. So I, you know, like there's upside, he's athletic. I think he has a good arm, not great, but good. Uh, it's just, you know, you got to be able to use those traits effectively and he hasn't yet. So. Yeah. And I mean, if you just look at the games, look at uh, the South Florida, he threw an interception to, I forgot who it was, but Trent Whitmore, he had him coming across on a crossing route and he just saw it so late and was still just like, I'm going to throw this ball. And yep. it, it was one of the easiest picks we've seen. You could watch, and even if they're not interceptions, you could watch the Vanderbilt game. He had Jacob Copeland coming across the field. Jacob Copeland would have had a massive play, probably a touchdown there, but the ball is behind him. Copeland still caught it because he makes contested catches. He could do that, but mm -hmm. it, it should have been a touchdown if Emery had led him or seen it a little sooner. So they're just like those mental inconsistencies of not – I think what he does often is putting the ball where the receivers are and not where they will be, and yeah. he's just so bad at realizing where he should lead the pass. And I've been very optimistic with him. I've been very lenient with things, but – 
there comes a point where he's just made so many mental mistakes that he's he's killing his own stock at this point. Yeah, and that that anticipation is key at the NFL level because you know windows close no matter what level you're playing. They close pretty quickly. They close even quicker at the NFL level. So if you're not throwing with anticipation, then you're just waiting to get picked off. And we've already seen that with Jones this year. You know, if you can't anticipate those windows and throw with kind of that you know premonition of where your receiver is going to be and where the defensive back is going to be then lacking that foresight is already a big red flag for your NFL development. So, you know, I like the traits, but right now it's it's looking like he's not really going to get much buzz because of that. You know, you got to have that utility, even if to be a backup, you know, you need to show you can make those decisions and process that. And right now he hasn't done that. Taysom Hill roll, baby. That's it. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's that's the way. That's the, that's way. the answer for every quarterback that <laughs> can run and kind of throw a little bit. Just Taysom yep. Hill roll. That's who you're getting now. But so, uh <laughs> Thanks, Ian. You can find Ian work, Ian's work at profootballnetwork.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. And, yeah, we'll have you back on, I'm sure, when it gets closer to draft season. Honestly, yeah, because, like, I was diving in on these guys. I'm probably going to have uh, – because Florida is a fun team, man. I mean, we talked about the receivers. We talked about Damian Pierce. Uh, the right tackle, too, Jean Delance. Like, they're, I don't love him, but he's intriguing, too. You know, he kind of caught my eye. So, some I, I have a feeling – you know, we only had three in this mock. I have a feeling we're going to get to five at least next time. But I'll keep you posted. We'll see, and we can come back and we can talk about it. So always, always a pleasure. Right, awesome. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow, we'll get into a first half of the season recap for our Florida Gators. Now make your second listen, Lockdown SEC. Get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy of Sports 790. It is free and available on all platforms. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. And you can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to check out my pin tweet and let Locked On know why Florida Gators have the best Gator Nation fan base in the nation, really. That was a lot of words. Sorry.